All right, hey pod people, I'm Bart Allman. This is the Thinking and Drinking Shorty Show. These shows are going to be 10 or 20 minutes shorties about little things that are on my mind. I hope you like them. And if there's something you want me to delve into, let me know on Facebook or on my Instagram site, which is Thinking and Drinking Pod. And uh, here we go. Thanks again. Howdy, howdy. Today, Amy, myself, and Jam and Joey are going to list our top five debut albums. I presume that these albums are listed because they're important artists or playing important, meaningful music, or at least they are to us. So here goes. I know everybody has their top five, so here's ours. This is just a list, not in particular order, unless you guys want to put them in order. But they all just uh, are important to us. So are you both ready? Yes. Yeah, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Nice. My first one is Van Halen 1. Big surprise. Shocker. Yeah, shocker, <laughs> exactly. This band uh, changed the world to a little kid in the middle of Nebraska. These sounds just could not come out of a guitar and an amp, at least not the guitars and amps that I could get my hands on. Songs were great. Singer was great. Bass player vocals were great. That unbelievable fist in the face, Ted Templeton production was great. Holy crap. What a record. So that's my first one. Anybody else have that on their list? I do not. I do Uh, not. Okay. There you go. Although I do like Van Halen. Okay. Amy? Um, I have Whitney Houston's debut album. It was one of the first cassette tapes that I got. Is it the orange one? The orange one. Yeah. And it had like The Greatest Love of All and um, I think How Will I Know and just some huge hits. And that was probably played in my house quite a bit because it was one of that and Tina Turner's yeah. Private Dancer. I don't know why I got that as a six-year-old. But anyway, um, those were played <laughs> in my room quite a bit. And... Um, <laughs> Anyway, I love uh, big female vocalists like Whitney with women with big voices like her and Carrie Underwood, Kelly Clarkson, Pink. So that kind of probably was the um, the meaning or not the meaning, but the beginning of that kind of like for me. I was working in a record store in Wenatchee, Washington, when that came out, and we could not keep it on the shelves. Oh, that thing was that and Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms Mm. were just blowing out. Nice. Hmm. It's a good story, huh? Good story. Great story. Thank you. you. Unrehearsed. Oh, is it my turn now? Yes, Joey. Yeah, I think um, I'll go guitar slingers for my first one. Just the thing that kind of set me off where things were different, where Jimi Hendrix already experienced. Nice. Just heard that, and it was different from everything that I'd heard up until that point. And they piqued my interest in like, okay, this this guy's... uh, How'd you find that record? Um, just it was in my dad's stuff, and just oh, going right. through, and a couple of others that are on the list. Well, one more really. That kind of is it Whitney Houston? No, no, <laughs> it's not. But uh, yeah, just hearing interesting sounds coming from a guitar played yeah. in a unique, totally unique way. Yeah, yeah, open the door of possibilities for me. Hmm. That's good. That's good. All right, my second one is Molly Hatchet. Hmm. I would have picked that one as well. I got a hmm and a laugh. <laughs> These guys were the Florida Guitar Army, triple guitar harmonies, Danny Joe Brown's crazy voice, amazing songs. As I've already said, that was my first real rock concert. I love these guys. 
Still on the road, not one original member left now that Dave Lubeck has died, which is sad. Mm. But it was a great record. Still a great record. I listened to it last week. Mm. So there. Okay, my turn. Comments? Anything? <laughs> no, 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 sorry, no. Sorry, I thought you were looking at me to okay. go. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, my next one would be Dave Matthews Band, Under the Table and Dreaming. Great record. I think that was his debut. At least it was for me. It was. Um, it just reminds me of my high school my senior high school year, because um, it was just like the biggest Boring. thing. Oh, sorry. I know you're not a Dave Matthews fan. It's fine. <laughs> but Satellite was on that, Ants Marching, and yeah. anytime I hear those songs, it just takes me back. All right. And yeah, I love Dave Matthews. Uh, so there you go. Summer freshman year going to college for me. That was a okay. great record. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Is that on your list? It is not. Okay. Um, but the next one for the early on stuff would be Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Of course, you know, continuing with the the nice classic rock stuff. So was that in your dad's collection? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any particular songs or any? I mean, did I think just, just that whole record, just the the angst and the just the drumming and just how in your face. Having angst and that kind of drumming on what was essentially a blues record is a very interesting combination. Yeah. Hmm. All right. My next one is the first Stevie Ray Vaughan record. In the back of Guitar Player Magazine, they used to do record reviews. I see you're laughing. Joe was well, laughing I'm too. I'm laughing as well because it's we just like I, I could have I could have made you this list made for you list. probably. I know. Yeah. yeah, I know. When I saw that first Stevie Ray album cover, read the review, bought the record, another life changer. Had no idea how much until later, but trying to find guitars like his and amps like his. I was actually on the road for a while with his guitar tech, Renee Martinez. Added a, asked a few questions, but uh, I remember when he died, it just felt like a, a family member had died. Still is a huge guitar player and still is very influential, mm. I think. Mm-hmm. You guys are laughing. I'm not no, laughing. No, 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 no I love choice. Stevie Ray. Yeah, it's good. Okay. It's just kind of obvious. Obvious? Yeah. Um, I would have to say, and I put this like kind of as a six, but I'm going to go ahead and put it, talk about it now, is Garth Brooks's, I think it was called Garth Brooks. I know, again, Bart's not a big fan of Garth Brooks. No, I... I, I'm not a fan of necessarily what he's doing now, but... No, I... That record at the time was huge. It was huge. for the time, And and I didn't like country music really before that, and that's what got me into the door for country music. And I think a lot of people probably felt that way. Um and it kind of makes me think of, I guess, probably because we've been talking about that country music documentary. Yeah. And how we were kind of mad that... Um, he was barely mentioned after selling... Well, he was he was mentioned quite a bit, but Ken Burns left out a good 25 years of um, yeah. the history of country music. I did not. It's, it's wonderful, but he stops at 1996. Yeah, he stopped at 1996, oh, wow. and there's quite a bit, you know, a lot that happened since 1996 and now. And, we were saying um, there's... Dixie Chicks, Florida Georgia Line, Luke Bryan, Kenny Chesney. I mean, yeah, that's a pretty kind of some big people. Tim yeah. McGraw, Tim McGraw, Did, not even mentioned. Faith, not mentioned. So I mean, yeah, wow, yeah. yeah, I kind of I'm, I'm making up for Ken. Kind of feels Burns. incomplete then, doesn't it? Not I mean, quite. Yeah. It needed yeah. one or two more episodes, but yeah, um, yeah. Garth Brooks is what led me in the whole like '90s country music explosion. Is oh yeah. That was that the class of '89. Oh yeah, I think he was. And Clint and Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty three pretty amazing acts. Yeah. So there you go. 
and I actually stood in line for his concert to buy tickets back when you could do that. You like actually go somewhere and stand in line. And we got sixth row, I believe. And it was pretty fun. I was working the, with the Judds at RCA when he was the opening act on the farewell tour. Well, there you go. And then he kind of got big and left. I can understand why. <laughs> Said, you know what? I think all headline arenas. Yes. Bye. Joseph. Joey. My turn. Okay, next album for me would be, this is a tough one. I'd say Pearl Jam 10. Oh. That record, um, I think that I was big. Yeah. I think I went through probably three of those cassettes. Dang. Uh, I've never worn out a cassette. That's impressive. Were you playing them right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that whole record just from beginning to end was just Yeah. It was good. I enjoyed it. Cool videos too. Yeah. It was fun videos. Except for the one about killing the kids at school, but the rest of the videos were fun. Aside from that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uplifting story. Yeah. Have you ever seen him play? I did. I got to see them and Stone Temple Pilots, uh, House of Blues. Them and Stone Temple Pilots? Yeah. Who opened? I can't remember. That was a good show. It was a good show. House of Blues where? Uh, New Orleans. Nice. I like that joint. Yeah. Interesting. All right. My next one. Does anybody want to guess? I'm going to go with Pantera. (laughs) Ah, (laughs) We have a winner. Pantera Cowboys from Hell. I think Dimebag is the last guitar player to really change the face of the guitar world. Now listen to what I say here. This is good. (laughs) He brought in more melody and more finesse to a smash-mouth heavy, heavy band than anybody ever thought of. And I think Terry Date's weed and whiskey-driven production was so great for that style of music. And uh, another guy that... um, when he got shot in the face by a complete waste of skin, just changed the world again. But I don't know, Amy, if you remember, I had a life-size stand-up of Dime in our basement when the big flood happened. Oh, yeah. Yes, I remember. Okay. And it... <laughs> the very base, sad. Huh? Very sad about that. It was very sad. Because when Dime got killed, he got shot in the face, he fell forward, his guitar hit a monitor, and it snapped the neck off at the fifth fret. When my stand-up got really wet, it fell forward, hit the bookcase, broke the neck off at the fifth fret. So that freaked me out. So I taped it all up, and I snuck it over to the sound kitchen, and I put it in the back of one of the vocal booths, and I just left it there. Wow. Something else, huh? wonder whatever became of it. I'm sure it's long gone. (laughs) In a landfill somewhere. But I asked Ira if I could leave it there, and he said, yeah, so I did. Nice. Anyway, that guy made a huge impact on me as a guitar player. Yeah. So next would be, for me, Yeah. is John Mayer, Room for Squares. Nice. I love that record. I wore that record out. And I think John Mayer and I are the same age, or pretty close to it. So, like, um, oh, what was the debut single off that that the album. Than he is. Um, no such thing as the song. And I love that song. It just totally reminded me of like high school myself and just I really related to it. And yeah. I still like John Mayer. Not quite everything he's done, but um He's got a great sense of humor. He does have a great sense of humor. You know who his guitar tech is? Who? Renee Martinez. 
who was Stevie Ray's tech. Oh, I think maybe you've told me that. Yep. Very cool. Is that yeah. interesting, or that do is, I just that, know no, goofy things? That's that's nice. Yeah. Good factoid. Yeah, factoid. Big word. Good word. Oh, I there like you go. It. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Been practicing. Joey. Um, so toss up again. Um, I guess I'll have to go Beastie Boys. Ooh, yes. Um, licensed Ill. Remember, just when that record came out, I was like, okay, it's rap, mm-hmm. you know, but still different. You know, fight for your right to party. Come on. That was Dave. Uh, it's pretty classic. Rick Rubin, right? It was. Producing that, yeah. Yep. yep. Hmm. Good times. That is good times. So this is. Last one, correct? I think so. These are your rules. We're playing by them. Hmm. Yeah. Number five for me, Clint Black. Oh, wow. I did not see that coming. I did not either. Mm-hmm. Wow. Look at here. This may surprise some folks. <laughs> but to me, he was the best of the class of 89. There's something about his music and his singing that I just loved. And I remember... Uh, what an amazing writer he was. He had three triple play BMI awards in three consecutive years, which is writing three number ones in a year. He also gave me a really cool Robin Telecaster, which I still have. And I just think he made a bunch of great records. And also, he was the first act I ever got to travel with who had his own Learjet. Oh, nice. So we would uh, go out to the airport here. About two in the afternoon, get on, fly to Minneapolis or wherever, land, go to the venue, do the meet and greet, do the show, get back on the airplane, fly home. And I was in my own bed by like one one thirty in the morning. That's pretty oh, nice. That's nice. And also, Clint, <laughs> he used to call me Trab, which is Bart backwards. He thought he was being very clever with that. That's but cute. I just, I loved it. So anyway, there you go. There you go. Okay, my next one is completely different from everything else that I've said. Of course, y'all probably won't think that, but it's Michael Bublé's debut album. This is my Michael Bublé story. So I met Michael Bublé. You sitting down, Joey? <laughs> no, I calm yourself. Met Michael Bublé at a talent competition in Memphis, Tennessee, Mid South State Fair, um, in 1995. I was 18, and my brother was in the competition. He did rank higher than Michael Bublé. I just have to say that. Anyway, I met Michael Bublé. He was cute. We, Me and another girl walked around like Beale Street with him and just had a good time and a great connection. And we kind of became pen pals and like would call each other long distance because he lived in Vancouver, Canada, and I lived here. And so you were pen pals, but you were calling each other? We did both. Yes. Is that weird? We have letters. And anyway, <laughs> um, we became friends. And he was like one of the first people that I knew prior to him having a record deal. And so I kind of followed his career and he would send me um, little videos that they record like on a VHS. And uh, he sent me like his first couple of um, CDs that were prior to his deal with um, Warner. And then when he got his record deal, it was very exciting because I was excited for him. And um, yeah. And he also led me to like the world of Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and all the like yeah. crooners that I just and you love, 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 yeah, love. Absolutely. So yeah, he opened up a whole new world of music for me. Just like Dimebag kind of. Just like Dimebag. <laughs> Michael Bublé and Dimebag are the same. Two peas in a 
Texas Canadian pod. Blue bag? Is it set? No. Bub lag. Gotcha. Bub lag. <laughs> okay. So anyway, that's my Michael Bublé story. I like it. That's a good one. Nice. Well, for me, I guess the top of my list would be Alice in Chains. Nice. Um, that first record kind of set the stage for me. That's my favorite band ever. So oh, right now it is to this day. No, well, I mean, all through. I mean, that was like high school. Yeah. For me, so that whole journey through high school and college, just listening to their records. Did you ever get to see them? I did. With Lane? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. So yeah, disappointed in that. I saw them with Lane. They opened up uh, a Van Halen tour, and he had gotten high or something and fallen down the stairs and broken his leg. So he was in a wheelchair with one leg straight out. And with the other leg, he just drug himself around the stage while singing. And it was the creepiest thing ever, but they sounded great. (laughs) Nice. So, yes. Consider myself lucky on that one then. Yep. Well, Well, I'm going to cheat. Of course you are. I'm going to throw in. Ozzy and Robert Plant's first solo records, because they were such great records. After Sabbath, and of course, after Zeppelin, we had no idea what was going to come of those guys. So yeah. I love those records. And Ozzy and had, obviously, Randy Rhodes, who just molded all of us. And Robert had Robbie Blunt, who were just great guitar players. Right. Anyway, I cheated. Do you want to cheat? You want to throw anything else in? I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna say the Dixie Chicks, Wide Open Spaces. Yeah. Again, it's Great another record. album I just wore out, and I think I've talked about this on the show before, but I had it. The it came out like the year I moved to Nashville, so driving back and forth to Nashville and Mississippi, I just listened to it. Yep. all the time. It's good stuff. Yep. You want to cheat? Well, it's not really a debut album, but it would be Nirvana. The Nevermind oh, record. Yeah. I know Bleach was their debut record. Yeah. But, um, oh, Smells Like Teen Spirit was the first single that really yeah. landed for them. I remember just hearing that and was like, this is different. Pretty impactful stuff. Yeah. Pretty good. All right. There's a shorty show, folks. That's pretty good. Good topic. Yeah. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Thanks Jim and Joey. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. <laughs> See you later. All right.